We're finally back here on the call-up. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And it's been a little bit of a layoff here, Jack. We put out the episode of the awesome interviews that you did with, with Colt Keith and Justin Henry Malloy and the Tiger system. Definitely go check that out. Uh, if you missed kind of the intro to that, exp- I explained a little bit of why we had that bit of a layoff. Of course, my my grandfather passing away tending to all of that very important and influential man in my life. That episode wouldn't go on YouTube. So just wanted to mention that one more time and apologize for the the week plus off uh, of not putting up episodes and what is usually the most fun time of the year to put out the episode. So I promise you we'll make up for lost time. Uh, and, and I'm excited to continue to honor my, my incredible grandfather who showed me so much in this game and, and showed me so much in life with just a lot of fun baseball banter and just continuing to, you know, immerse ourselves and myself in this game. But Jack, with this layoff, I was itching. You know, I wasn't itching to do much over the last week uh, other than just be with my family. But I was itching as we got closer and closer to just kind of being able to get back to normal to, to put these Arizona Fall League rosters into perspective. Because, man, we talked about it briefly on the Just Baseball show Um this is a really fun AFL this year. And we're going to go through each team, uh, you know, each each Arizona Fall League team and then the affiliates that it's comprised of. A lot of players, you know, some are like, you know, third string catcher types. We're not going to spend as much time on them. You know, maybe a bullpen arm that they just wanted to get some more reps for. We won't get as much into that, but there's a lot of notable prospects, a lot of top 100 guys, a lot of, you know, 45, 50 future value type guys. And I think the most important thing is, the pitching is good this year. And the, the domino of that is, yes, we get to see better arms out there and have more fun. Also, we get to see a little bit more challenge for these hitters because we already know it's a great environment to hit in. So that side of it, I'm very excited for as well. You get more excited for this release or for like Lollapalooza Coachella lineup releases? That's the dumbest question you've ever asked. All right. It's not even close. It's this not even, a you, great podcast. <laughs> you know, it's not even close, dude. I, 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 but like if you were going to Coachella, if it was like, oh, wow, like ASAP Rocky's there and Denzel Curry's there, and then you've got Odessa there as well, like, are you very excited for that? Or is it, oh my gosh, Jackson Job is going to the Fall League? Not even to be like the baseball hard of, like, I just love baseball so much. It, I, honestly, the Fall League, just because you have no baseball season at this point, right? So like, yes, we have the playoffs, but I'm talking about prospects in the minor leagues. If the second, the minor league season was over, uh, you know, the second, the Norfolk tides, you know, picked up that last out to, to win, you know, the triple a title there. It's like, man, I, I miss being able to just tune into random minor league games to watch the video back the next day, to be able to keep tabs on prospects and see where they're progressing. You know, that's the most exciting thing. So when I see a bunch of really good players sent out there, like we're going to talk about here, it just fires me up because that's like my bridge that gets me through the off season and also helps me continue to like, I have this itch to, to keep doing evaluations, to, to keep seeing what progress players are making. And, you know, we get to do that with, with the AFL and, and that's the most fun part. And usually guys use this opportunity to tinker as much as ever and find some new things too. I think that's a great point. And I think kind of looking at it in the macro, the reason that, I gravitated towards baseball, at least, and I know that a lot of people gravitate towards baseball is, yes, obviously, we love the big moment. I'm so excited to watch the postseason because every pitch matters in the postseason. But one of the reasons that I love baseball, and I'm sure so many of you listening do love baseball as well, is because it's constant. Like, that's what I love about baseball. You can turn it on and it's always there. It's an everyday thing for six months out of the year. And yeah. as soon as the AAA World, AAA World Series is done, Norfolk won on Saturday, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Monday, October 2nd, is AFL opening day. Before the AFL ends, the Dominican Winter League gets going. More on that a little bit later on, yeah. I think. But then, like, here you go to spring 
training shortly after that. There's really baseball year round if you want to ingest it. And that is that's one of my favorite parts of the Arizona Fall League. And the last thing I'll mention is, you know, if people wonder who are the candidates to be sent to the Arizona Fall League? Well, one, another reason why I love it is it has a way of taking care of the guys that you were gypped of seeing this year. You know, if a guy is healthy by the end of the season, but just didn't get enough reps in a la Chase DeLauder, we feel like, oh, man, I would have loved to see more Chase DeLauder, who we'll get to. We get to see more Chase DeLauder now because the Arizona Fall League is where he's going to go get more reps. Same with Colson Montgomery, same with with Ricky Tiedemann. And and we'll get to all of those guys here. So that's the other side of it I really like is that, you know, some guys that that's their season was was painfully short uh, for whatever reason. We get to, to see a little bit more of them. And then other guys just are able to kind of get more reps and, and, you know, get some more eyeballs on them. So I'm pumped about that. A lot of top 100 guys, a lot of notable prospects and. Uh, you know, let's let's jump into it. So we're going to go somewhat rapid fire. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the team in the Arizona Fall League. I'm going to give you the affiliates or the parent clubs that feed into each team. And we're going to work by big league team, by parent club. I'm going to give you a list of names. If I give you eight names, if you have a thought on one or two or four of those guys, jump in and we got to go rapid fire because we've got 30 teams to hit. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's start with the Glendale Desert Dogs. I love it. They're comprised of the Dodgers and the White Sox, who share Camelback Ranch, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Twins. The Red Sox are sending a catcher, Nathan Hickey. They're sending Brainer Bonacci, an infielder, Corey Rozier, an outfielder, and then their pitchers, Felix Apeta, Brian Mata, Wyatt Olds, Zach Penrod, and Christopher Troy. The names that jump out here are Corey Rozier, incredibly fast, he used to be a, a Padres farmhand, and Brainer Bonacci, uh, as well as Brian Mata on the hill, right? Yeah, so Brian Mata is a guy that I was very interested in seeing more of and just has not been able to stay healthy. At one point was you know right there with Brian Bayo as, as the most notable prospect in their system, and probably before Brian Bayo really had his ascension, you know, Mata was that guy, but has just continued to battle arm issues and you know, this is where sometimes it can be tough because guys go out there and they just can't quite refine it, you know, and regain what they had. But Mata is definitely a notable one. Um, and, you know, still just 24 years old. The command has just been brutal, but it's still mid 90s up to the upper 90s. Uh, and, and you know, there's there's good stuff there if he can find the zone whatsoever. But a 55 percent strike rate this year, you know, really hurt him. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be tinkering with the mechanics trying to find something there. Uh, Rozier, as you mentioned, like absolute speedster, uh, put up some some decent numbers at the double-A level, got a taste at triple-A. And I think they want to kind of figure out what the deal is with him and and where exactly he fits in. Another aspect of, of this whole league is trying to figure out if a guy is worth it for, you know, adding to your roster for the Rule 5 draft. Of course, Rozier has another year before that. Uh, but I think this is more just kind of figuring out exactly what they want to do with him. And I'm, and I'm eager to see, you know, how he does. He did steal 49 bags this year. And then one other name real quick, Chris Troy. You know, this is a guy that makes a lot of content and is very like a very open book. He is going to be kind of live tweeting and and offering threads and his thoughts and his perspective of like what he's doing out there. Huge strikeout numbers this season between high A and, and double A. I watched him come out on the Cape and within his first inning, he, his arm blew up and that was really tough to watch. So it's cool to see him you know, come back and, and look strong. 50 strikeouts and 31 innings at double A, 27 walks, though. So something to monitor. Stuff is good. Uh, it'll be fun to see if he can you know, continue to, to build on it and turn himself into a nice reliever. Also excited to see Brainer Bonacci, who had a really nice season between high A and double A, mostly at high A, but had a nice little flash of 16 games in double A as well. Put up some pretty solid contact numbers, got on base at a decent clip, snuck out 11 home runs, switch hitter, and his age 20 year to put up really solid numbers right around a 120 WRC plus between the two levels, and showing versatility, can play all over the infield, has a solid glove. Interested to see a little bit more because he's someone that's, I think, not been as highly regarded despite the production being good, and I want to see if he can kind of start to endear himself as a top 
10, 12 prospect in this system where, you know, it's one of the systems that has improved as much as any in baseball over the last couple of years. And I believe he will be kind of part of a, a 40 man crunch here. Yes, he's barely played a double A, but, uh, you know, there might be some teams that are interested in the bat to ball skills, the versatility, the switch hitting. Uh, so the Red Sox may have to decide, you know, if they want to protect him this time around. Last year, it was a different story having only played at low A. So I think that's a big reason why we're going to see Bonacci out there as well. Yep. All right. White Sox here. They send no catchers. They've got two infielders there. They're two best prospects, I think, in Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos. They send Jacob Burke in the outfield, and their pitchers are Addison Coffey, Yasamar Cousin, Cousine, Jake Eater, who was acquired for Burger straight up, Frazier Ellard, and Jordan Leisure, who came over with Nestrini in that Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly deal. Colson and Ramos are the two headliners here. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Brian Ramos is a guy that going into this year, I was I th- we were definitely the high guys on. Uh, and, and, you know, I talked about how much I, I love, you know, what he is you know, capable of doing offensively doubles machine with with good power and, you know, sneaky, decent field to hit and, and plays a good third base injury kind of like delayed the start of the season for him. And it, it just was a longer layoff with a hamstring and a couple other little ailments than we thought then really started to have some nice stretches at the double A level. Still very young. You know, I wouldn't say he has much time to make up for because he was already kind of ahead of the eight ball, but that was a guy that was a top 60 prospect for us. Again, we were the high guys, but top 60 guy going into the year, still a top 100 guy for us. So, you know, very excited to see, you know, what he does out there. He's someone who I think is one of my favorite candidates to potentially elevate their status, you know, in the, in the industry and in the prospect rankings, he checked in at 73 in our mid season update. And then Colson Montgomery, I've, told you he's one of my favorite bats in the minor leagues he's 15th overall prospect in the game for us and and that was with the injuries and the delayed start to the season for him um he's had some ailments that have kind of nagged him as a pro but this is a dude that's massive and also has such a good feel to hit for how big he is at 6'4", 6'5". I I see some shades of like Corey Seager light offensively and and the way he does things from the left side of the batter's box as a 6'4", 6'5", shortstop. He might move to third. Who knows? People said the same thing about Seager. I think he has some ability at short, but I'm really excited to just see that power continue to you know, shine through, especially in an area where it's going to play up. And I'm excited to see the glove out there too, uh, because that was where I first saw Jackson Merrill's glove. And I said, okay, this guy could really play over there. So I'm excited to get a look at Colson because they do the infield outfields out there a lot. So that that's always a good look. Yeah. Throw it back to the, uh, the grassroots of baseball. Uh, Colson, the number 15 prospect in baseball, according to you, according to some, the number two prospect in baseball, uh, the Dodgers, they send no catchers, but they do send Yaner Fernandez an infielder. Two outfielders, Damon Keith and Jake Vogel. And then their pitchers, Ben Kasparius, Ronan Kopp, the cops are going out there, Jake Polarski, Ryan Sublette, and Kendall Williams. Kopp is the big name here. Are there any other names that jump out to you in this Dodger crop? Um, you know, Jake Vogel is a guy that's, you know, I didn't love the swing when he was drafted, but he's such a good athlete, high school guy, not even 22 years old yet. It was, was, uh, overslot 2020 guy that, you know, I, I, I think was the hundredth overall pick. Uh, I also want to go back to the White Sox excited to see Jake Eater throw a little bit more as well. That's a guy that could be a rotation piece for them this coming year struggled after the trade that happens. So this should be a good opportunity for him to kind of get right and build those innings up. But Vogel flies. I think it was something along the lines of, I think 28 bags on 30 tries this year. If he got on base more, he'd be better. It was his best offensive season. That's not saying much, but there's something there. He's a really special athlete. He can play center field. So we'll see if he can kind of find something offensively there. Uh, A lot of the pitchers are guys that, you know, I think the Dodgers were expecting to do more this year and didn't. So I'm excited to see all of them. Even even Williams was at one time a little bit more highly regarded and and interesting, a 2019 draftee. Uh, But Fernandez is, is probably one of the more underrated guys in that Dodgers system. And I'm excited to see him get some more reps as well, because I believe he was initially a a catching prospect, uh, but they've kind of moved him to the infield and he's a bat first type guy, put up really good numbers at the lower levels, put up solid numbers in high A this year, not much power there. So I'm interested to see if he's able to tap into a bit more, but a really good field to hit. And he just turned 21 years old. So eager to see kind of how that transition to the infield is going and if he could tap into a little bit more juice, but this is a guy I'm definitely watching and I think could be a great success story with the Dodgers development here. Got you two more with Glendale. Um, You've got Minnesota 
and you've got the Mets. Jump into the Twins. They sent a catcher, Andrew Cassetti. They also sent Aaron Sabato, former first-round pick. Was that 21 that Sabato went first round? Yeah, out of UNC. I think it was 2021. Yeah, UNC kid. Kalai Rosario is also headed out there. Um, and then their pitching group, Malik Barrington, Jordan Carr, Ben Etheridge, A.J. Labas, and Zach Veen with an H. Petition to call him Zach Veen Zach. instead of Zach Veen. Yeah, it's, name's already taken. Sorry. Taken. Um, if you're not crazy. the best Zach Veen in the minor leagues, I'm sorry, man. You got, you got to move. I don't know. He's, he's catching up. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, I will say, I think Andrew Cassetti is arguably the most underrated catching prospect in the game right now. Uh, there's there's just a lot to like there. He's a pretty solid defender. He, he is a great, great overall, I would say, feel for the strike zone type guy as a hitter. And you like to see that from catchers where it translates to the box. 400, well over 400 on base percentage this year. 15 pumps, hits the ball hard. Underlying data looks good. Uh Again, like a 16% walk rate, strikeout rate you know, right around the the 19 to 20% range. Like he's got great numbers. I'm interested to see him challenge at double A. And I think they wanted to get him some more reps uh, for that reason. But 11th rounder in 2022, I think Cassetti's already, you know, starting to kind of carve himself out a little bit of a role here. We'll see how the defense continues to progress. Great arm throws runners out, but I think, you know, the, the blocking and stuff could use a little bit of work. So again, I just, those are, those are things that I need to see in person. So very eager to see that, you know, remember that's where I fell in love with uh, Jefferson Caro was the AFL last year. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see a little bit more defense from Cassetti. Um, who, who else was there? You mentioned a couple more twins. I'm trying to pull it up in front of me. Yes. Yeah, Sabato, you've got Kali Rosario and then um, other arms that stand out. I like not, Really many. Ben Etheridge could be a guy to to take a gander at. But I mean, Sabato like is fascinating because he has that first round pedigree. But unfortunately, it's all coming down to the bat and the bat just hasn't really been there in Pro Bowl. Yeah, Sabato, man, I, that was a swing that, you know, when I saw him at UNC, I'm like, OK, that that can play. He was a, an interesting and somewhat polarizing pick because he didn't have a huge track record. It was kind of one year of just going off and then you know not much before that you, i wouldn't say it's the most baseball body um so i think that was part of it too it's like okay you're really leaning into the the bat here it, like you said it's really got to be the bat he had an okay yeah. season i thought he bounced back from what was like some rougher years at the lower levels at the double a level but you know this guy's got to hit for more power and, and i think this is a place where he's going to really try to unlock that 12 home runs in the texas league in 77 games when you are literally a big bodied first baseman Got to find more, but I'm not going to totally give up on a guy like this because there's a lot of juice, you know, in the tank there. And then when it comes to Rosario, this guy was one time a, a really exciting and highly regarded prospect, who I think quickly kind of fell to the wayside after I don't think what was that bad of a year in, in 2022 where 727 OPS, but that's in the Florida State League. And he was a fifth round pick out of out of Hawaii in Hawaii high school. So this was somebody that, you know, very under the radar pop up type prospect that in a draft where you're not able to get to Hawaii ahead of the draft very much in the, in the covid world. And this year in high A had a really nice season, man. He strikes out a lot. And that's the thing to, to monitor. But he's still extremely young. Uh, like I said, just turned 21 years old, hit 21 home runs. Uh, if you can find a way to kind of rein in the the whiff a little bit, I think this guy could be a really exciting power bat in, in a corner outfield spot. So we'll see, you know, kind of how how he does with with the swing and miss. But I think this year was encouraging overall. Yep. Um, all right. One more affiliate here. It's the Mets. They send Kevin Parada, who I'm sure you are amped to see behind the plate, like get some questions answered in regards to Parada. They send three infielders, Rowdy Jordan, JT Schwartz and DeAndre Smith. No outfielders. And the pitching group is Nolan Clenny, Jordan Geber, Brendan Hardy, Trey McLaughlin and Tyler Thomas. Parada is a wild card here, I think. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We talked about, um, I mentioned some of my concerns about Parada uh, and, and the swing and miss uh, before he was promoted to double A. And then, you know, a 22-year-old, it was right around his 20, 22nd birthday when he got brought up there. He started to swing it a little bit better right, right out of the gate uh, once he got promoted, but then kind of hit that wall again. 
I've got some big whiff concerns with him. Uh, that's definitely something I'm eager to just kind of see the moving parts to a swing, get another in-person look at him. You know, the EVs are strong when he hits the ball in the air, it goes and he hits the ball in the air pretty consistently. But another guy where the bat is a big part of it. I don't know how much they're going to work him in at catcher. I think they're now trying again to, to really get the defense to, to progress because they're realizing, Hey, the bat may not be as safe as we thought it was. So down the stretch, I mean, he was pretty much, catching and not playing much first at all. So I'm very interested to see the glove because if that can get to a passable range, then you add a lot of pressure off of that bat because right now there's a lot of pressure on the bat and there's too much whiff and chase for me to feel good about him as a first base type. So I'm very interested to see the defense. Yep. All right. Let's jump to, uh, I think this is the Mesa Solar Sox. Yeah, Mesa Solar Sox. Um, So they will play at Ho-Ho Cam. I think they may play call Sloan Park their home, which is the Cubs spring training uh, complex now, which is way better than their old one, Ho-Ho Cam. By the way, Oakland moved into Ho-Ho Cam with the Cubs left. But it is the Cubs, the Orioles, the Yankees, the A's, and the Houston Astros. Um, starting with Baltimore, they do send a catcher, uh, Connor Pavoloni. Do you know that name at all? Pavoloni? I'll be totally Connor honest. Pavoloni. No. Yeah, no. Um, they send T.T. Bowens and Billy Cook. Uh, they send John Rhodes, an outfielder, and then Carter Baumler, Trey McGough, Zach Peek, Carlos Tavera, and Pete Van Loon. I'm going to be totally honest. I know McGough because he threw in AAA last year, but that's kind of it. This is not a, a crop from Baltimore. Yeah, you know, Baumler comes with some pitching intrigue, uh, you know, low 90s guy that has decent breaking ball, uh, but didn't throw much at all. Hasn't thrown much at all over the last couple of years, but, you know, it's still just 21 years old, uh, pretty athletic pitcher. So I'm a little interested to see what he can do and, and showed some nice flashes this year, you know, early, early and then late. Um, we got to see a couple starts in low A uh, once he came back from injury. So should be interesting to see, you know, how, how he looks and it's just any arm I'm, I'm kind of interested in this Oriole system. John Rhodes is, is someone that I think is pretty underrated because he's a good defender. He can motor a little bit. Um, he was a, a third round pick in 2021 and had a nice year in double a 104 WRC plus not great, you know, but did hit 17 home runs. Did steal a couple bags. Uh, you know, just another solid depth type guy. That's 23 years old. Um, and then it, you look at TT Bowens, another guy that kind of had a sneaky, decent year. So I, I'm, I'm, Interested in just seeing more because I think guys get kind of buried in this Oriole system. Uh, yeah. Bowens had an all right year, uh, kind of around league average offensively, walks it a little bit, struck out a little bit too much. So just another guy to watch. But I think for the Orioles, like they've got so many top, top prospects that I think they're just kind of trying to filter out, you know, who, who the guys are in tier three of that system that can kind of, you know, make a little bit more of, of a statement here. And, yeah. and it's going to be interesting to see who can do that. I thought they'd send maybe, you know, another arm or two instead. Um, but then I, I'd probably say of the, all of those names, dude, Billy Cook might be the most interesting. There's like that. I compare a lot. It's way too many like infield slash outfield guys with speed to Whit Merrifield uh, in mm -hmm. terms of just like the profile. But this guy was a 10th round pick in 2021. Um, hit 24 home runs this year and stole 30 bags. So, I mean, it's something to monitor. He's aggressive. Uh, struck out 25%. Walked 8%, but 30 for 33 on bags and 24 pumps. Like you've got my attention as a guy that can play multiple positions and play all over. So I'd probably say Billy Cook is my most intriguing guy of this, of this whole list when it comes to the, the offensive guys. And then, you know, some of the other arms, I can't, I can't pretend that I know a ton. We'll have to talk to our guys at, uh, you know, uh, Orioles on the verge to, to get a better idea of that. For sure. Um, jumping to the Cubs here. They do have some big league pedigree somehow. James Triantos, they are sending an infielder. Outfielders, Kevin Alcantara and Alexander Canario, who <laughs> sat on the bench for a while. Um, but Canario worked his way back from that. I think it was with separated shoulder and ankle fracture on the same play in the Dominican Winter League. And then pitching-wise, they send Nick Hull, Chris Kakmar, Adam Lasky, uh, Jose Romero, and Tyler Santana. Canario, I'm fascinated by from, I don't know, like, let's see how much he dominates because there's a chance he puts up a 1200 OPS in this league. Um, but Kevin Alcantara, man, I need I need some questions answered. I think we're getting to that point now where I'm like, OK, I, I really need to see this guy put up some crazy production over a course just to know what I can dream on, as opposed to just being that six foot six outfielder that they got from the Yankees for Rizzo.
Yeah. And, and you know, what's great is he's riding a lot of momentum into that and into this, this fall league too. Kevin Alcantara is, um, you know, it was a little bit of a slow start and then went nuts over the last 60 games and, and handled a, a promotion to double a pretty well, even over the last handful of games. So I'm really excited to see what he does out there. We, you know, the power is crazy. 107 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocities flashed 112s, 113. So if there's a place that can get you incentivized to elevate, it's Arizona. And I think this is a place where he can really work on, you know, creating that leverage and, and elevating. It's hard when you have such long levers, you know, to, to con- consistently, you know, stay kind of direct to the ball and also generate lift because guys that are so long, they want to stay direct to the ball and, and they end up kind of having a flat swing and that results in, you know, more ground ball. So I am very eager to see how Kevin Alcantara works in batting practice and, you know, in games to try to lift more consistently, but this guy hit the crap out of the ball. He struck out less than I thought he would. He walked a decent amount, you know, as the rest of the season continued to progress. And I thought he really uh, elevated his status this year and could continue to do so. Um, Triantos is a guy that, I think Cubs fans have always been a little bit too high on, but this is an, an atmosphere where, you know, bat, you know, bat to ball over power. He's definitely going to swing it pretty well out there, but I'm interested to see, you know, how much more he can tap into and, and see the glove in the infield. Canario is probably the odds on favorite. If there was odds to win the, the MVP is, as you said, and then I will say I, I I'm, I'm biased because I know him, you know, personally, but Adam Lasky's been a pretty nice left-handed reliever for the Cubs in that system and, you know, has some sneaky good stuff, was looking like a potential top three round pick before he dealt with some arm issues, you know, after, was awesome on the Cape, uh, was part of a couple arms on that on that Duke team that were tracking like first round guys and then dealt with arm issues. And that's, you know, a kind of weird thing that happened out there. Um, but he's definitely someone that I'm, I'm intrigued to watch. I know the Cubs are still, you know, excited about, and then Tyler Santana was a South Florida kid who just kind of gets outs and, uh, you know, I'm excited to see him and, and, and kind of play the, the name game of, of mutual friends, but, uh, I don't have much on that other than he fills up the strike zone and gets out. So, um, nice crop that the Cubs are sending though. Yeah, I'm really excited to see the bats that the Cubs are sending. And if they are at Sloan Park, I highly recommend you go because that place is one of my favorite places, favorite baseball places on earth that I've been to. I mean, it's really just it's kind awesome. of limited to the States and Toronto, but Sloan Park is pretty sweet. Um, Tokyo Dome, number one on my bucket list, by the way. I don't know where you're at. Oh, it's up there, man. It's it's yeah. up there, especially now that I'm reading the, uh, the Sadaharu O book. I yeah. just want, I want to get out there and just just watch some baseball. Arms book queue is kind of stacking up a little bit because I'm going to force him to read The Arm by Jeff Passan after he's done with this Sadoharo O book because he's kind of focused on hitting right now. And I I need him to scratch the the pitching itch just a yeah. little bit. Uh, my problem is this. Every time I want to go read, I say, oh, well, I could write right now. And then I start writing something up and then and then I don't read. So it takes me about a couple months to read a book. Uh, gotcha. but we'll, we'll get there. Off season will be good. Off season will be yeah. good. I had a friend say I needed to watch South Park, so I gotta I gotta watch South oh, Park. Oh, you gotta this, watch South Park. That's you would yeah. love it. You would love it. I feel like I would love it. So that's my off season thing when they stop playing baseball. Um although we'll have the Dominican Winter League that we can watch. Um yeah, all right. Yes. Houston, they send a catcher, Miguel Palma. They send Dak Zach Desenzo, um, an infielder, Kennedy Corona, an outfielder, and their pitching group is AJ Bluebaugh. Uh, Ray Gaither, Gaither, I think Ray Gaither, Tyler Guilfoyle, uh, Jaime Melendez, and Miguel Oyola. Um, I've heard Guilfoyle. I know that Desenzo can really swing it in the yeah. infield. Yeah, um, I'm pumped to see Desenzo because. I mean, he's just he's really had kind of a breakout type year. I was I was interested to see if they were going to send Loperfido out there. And I think, yeah. honestly, I think Loperfido may have shown enough that they don't even need to see him out there. And he, he was playing all over. And, you know, I think he, he played a lot of games this year between, you know, when you get that bump up from double to trips, it, it just elongates the season. Dezenzo didn't get that bump up to trips. So, you know, and, and also. I think played only about 94 games this year. So he makes more sense to get more reps in. And, uh, but Zenzo had a really nice year, man. And 23 years old, uh, a steal in the 2022 draft. And the Astros always do that. I mean, well, Profito was a steal. And, and now you got Zenzo in the 12th round. It's an absolute steal. 
great power, sneaky speed. He was 16 for 16 on bags, 14 home runs, you know, at the double A level. Um, and he was six for eight in high A with four more home runs there raked through high a that was a joke and then you know met his match a little bit more in double but but held his own i did a dive on him recently high fastballs were kind of chewing him up a little bit so i'm excited to kind of see how he responds to that you know see how he can kind of hedge some of that whiff and, and lean into that power so the hit tool is going to be something i'm going to monitor there but i'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing more of him kennedy corona is probably one of the more underrated guys in the system as well uh corona uh, I, I did a dive into him because I was doing my my Bowman checklist uh, breakdown that I always do. And he's in the latest uh, product of, of Bowman Chrome. But Corona's a good athlete. And he's, I think, one of the more underrated combinations of power and speed. You remember we used to talk about Grant McRae with the Giants and like, oh, he's got that stolen base and power ability. I think Corona's an even better blend of that. Uh, you look at just the double A numbers in 111 games, 20 homers, 31 bags. Uh, a little too aggressive, which has kind of stifled the the walk rates a little bit and, and led to only a 101 WRC plus. But the counting stats are there. Uh, the swing is pretty good. The ability to play all three outfield spots is is there. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see more Corona because he's just a guy that you, you, you kind of don't focus on during the season. But you get out to the AFL and. You're just kind of watching everybody and you're like, wait, that, that guy can play more than he gets credit for. So that's another dude that I'm looking forward to. And then is it Miguel Ulala? Ulala? It's tough. There's a lot of L's. U-L-L-O-L-A. I'm not sure. I would assume the two L's make the Y sound. Uyola. Uyala. Yeah, Uyola. Uyola makes Uyola. sense. Yeah, Uyola. Uyola. Yeah. Um, throws fuzz. <laughs> I, I'm excited. This is an arm. This is another one of those arms that like, you, you you don't really pay attention to. And then you see 96, 97 on the gun and you're like, wow, um, good carry that classic, like Astros, good shape, fastball, big whiff. Uh, secondary command is not great as is the case for so many AFL pitchers. So 21 year old with, with big stuff and, and, you know, trying to find the command I'm in on watching that. That's always fun. Sweet. Um, all right, the Yankees, they send no catchers, two infielders. They send Ben Cowles and Caleb Durbin. They send one outfielder in Nelson Medina. And then their pitching group is four. Nolberto Enriquez, Kevin Stevens, Baron Stewart, and Tristan Verling. Who jumps out there? Uh, no, not much. Yeah. Not much at all. Not much. Um, no, like their big their big prospect thing was obviously the late infusion of Pereira and Dominguez and Wells. I I'd say Tristan Veerling. Um he was a third rounder and dealt with elbow issues, so he didn't pitch at all um th- this this season. Uh twenty twenty two third rounder and has a pair of pretty nasty breaking balls. So I just out of curiosity, just kind of want to see, you know, what this guy looks like off of, off of elbow issues. And, you know, of, of course, the, the Yankees have done well in those second, third, fourth, fifth round college arm types. So I want to see if they did well again here with with Veerling. Um, but but that's really uh, about it for me. Got you. Um, let's wrap with Oakland here on the Mesa Solar Sox. Um, no catchers. They send two infielders, both with intrigue, Brett Harris and Max Muncy. We highlighted Muncy, I think, last week or two weeks ago as a guy that has really turned it on uh, through the second half of this year. But Muncy had a great finish to the year. Um, they don't send any outfielders. Oakland does send five pitchers in Stevie Emanuels, who I saw throw in high A and I was impressed by. Uh, Jack Perkins, Roy Bear Salinas is a name that I know you're following closely. Uh-huh. Junior Tur and Jack Weisenberger. So the two names that kind of jump out to me are Muncy and Salinas. You got it. Um, Muncy's a guy that I think is going to enjoy as much prospect helium from his Arizona fall league performance as anybody. That's my, I'm calling my shot on that one. I I'm, I'm interested in doing that, that video dive trying to figure out exactly what he found, but a guy that was whiffing a ton and just not producing that much, uh, is a former first rounder really found it. And he's, just turned 21 this year. So he's, he's young. Like it wasn't one of those things where like, Oh, he's cooked. But I think you know, people move off quickly and start watching other guys, especially when you're in the, uh, the a system, but Muncie closed the season out unbelievably well. And and we talked about it a couple episodes ago. What was most notable about it is he kind of had things click when he went to double a and sure the Texas league, the ball flies, that's part of it. But 
the whiff numbers went way down. The strikeout numbers went way down and he just started to consistently lift the ball more. So I think something happened in, in double a getting with the right people, finding something. And over his last 40 games, slash 325, 416, 500. Um, so I'm very, very excited to see him and, and see the glove at shortstop as well. And then Roy Bersalinas, of course, part of that. I always mix up which deal it would have been, but that would have been the deal with Murphy, not Olsen. Uh, if I'm, no, if I'm, it was the Murphy no. deal. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was the Murphy deal. So like the one that sent William Contreras from Atlanta to Milwaukee, Salinas went from, I think Salinas went from Milwaukee to Oakland. No, that. Salinas was a brave. He was a brave. He went yes. from Atlanta. That to trade Oakland. always breaks my brain though, dude. It was just like, I don't know what it is. Cause you have the two braves, Oakland trades. And then one of them's a three team trade. It's just of a guy that was also traded in a story like multiple times. Like it's a crazy trade web, but Salinas is a disgusting cutter. Um, his fastball shape is pretty intriguing and he throws it hard. Um, and, and a couple other secondaries that are good. If he can command it, his command has been frustrating at times, but he, he finished the year in a nice stretch where he struck out 30% of batters walked just 8% of batters. And I mean, again, when this guy's around the zone, it's, nasty and he's going to get a lot of swings and misses in the zone missed some time with an injury um that yeah i think it was late may and then he didn't really pitch in double a until you know early early august i want to say so he, he has kind of just some momentum building back his velo really kind of came back over the last few starts so I'm pumped to see him. What's interesting is he was averaging around 97 miles an hour before the injury, slowly built back up to like 95 and a half. And I want to see if he can get back up to 96, 97, you know, with, with just the ability to kind of get more innings and, and more time, you know, off of that injury. Um, Brett Harris, did you, have you seen much of him? Like it's a name that's just always been around, but for me, like I just haven't done a ton of diving into seventh rounder in 2021, like put up, solid numbers this year in double a and in triple a, but it's just one of those guys where like the data doesn't jump off the page. It's solid and it's two pretty hitter friendly environments. Yeah, no, I mean, Brett Harris is not really a guy that's kind of like jumped off to me. Um, but that's kind of the nice thing about the Arizona fall league is, you know, you can tune in to this single cam high home stream and you can see somebody go yard, you're going to be there and I'm going to get a text and then I'll dive in and I'll be like, okay, cool. So Harris could be one of those guys. You, um, real quick. You said you yeah. saw Stevie Emanuel's a little bit too. I saw Stevie Emanuel's and I, I liked Stevie Emanuel's. He wasn't light up the radar gun when I saw him in 21. Um, but Emanuel's, I, I just remember funk was his thing. Yeah. Like he was a funky guy. You know, it's interesting. So in 2021 sat 91, 92 this yeah. past year sat 95. Um, really? Yeah. Opponents hit a buck 93, six, six guy that I think is finding some velocity here. Um, slider is disgusting. Opponents hit sub 200 against. I think it comes from numbers. a really weird slot. That's what I remember from 2021. It comes from a bizarre arm slot. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting guy. Yeah. It's six, six kind of weird three quarter ish release point gets some pretty low effort extension. Um, I'm interested to see. Uh, that's an outlier type guy. I'm in six six two thirty five. Like, let's 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 watch this guy throw. And again, these are the kind of arms that would have been one of the some of the better arms last year. And and you know he's not even the best arm that the A's are sending. So, um, interested to see him. And then also Lazaro Armonteros. Did you did you mention him? Was he a late ad? I think he wasn't he was. on the initial ro roster release. But I guess Lazaro Armonteros was going. So here's the thing. And like Zach Veen, I was going to bring this up with Zach Veen with the with the Twins, <laughs> but. Um, when I go on baseball reference and I type in Zach Veen, it doesn't take me right to his page because it's, did you mean Zach Veen or Zach Veen? And I'm like, okay, if I type in Lazaro, it doesn't take me right to Montes because it takes Armenteros. me to Armenteros. Armenteros, he was what, a $6 million <laughs> IFA guy? He was, he was huge money. It was, well, it was, it was a number. It was a number. It was a number that was large. Yep. He's striking out a shit ton, but you know, he put up a 124 WRC plus in the Texas league, hit 14 home runs and in, in 96 games, hit six home runs and 14 high A games, but this was like his fifth year in high A. So, I mean, yeah, you got to take that with a grain of salt, but I mean, it was the lowest strikeout rate of his professional career at double A. That has to matter for something. The highest walk rate of his professional career. I, like it's never too late for a guy with that kind of bat speed to find something. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, really 
good six million, like the guy he was supposed to be, but he's running into baseballs. He's hitting them hard and he's walking more. He's striking out a little bit less. Like maybe he could just be a, you know, a volatile power bat, which at this point, a guy that's out of their top 30, I think the A's will be thrilled with. So I think they're trying to figure out kind of what they got here. For sure. You ready for me to pull this card? I think we can separate this into two episodes. Yes. I was surprised we didn't do it before. I, I was, I was going to say we should, we probably should. Um, I, our listeners are so used to this by now. It's, it's just like sorry. part of the course. I'm really sorry. So we're going to finish with the Peoria Javelinas, who is the best roster that we've looked at of this bunch. Um, and then second episode will be really solid, including the Salt River Rafters, which are yeah. loaded. Well, I would say we haven't even like, I guess the pitching heavy episode is going to be the next one because there's I some so. really good arms we're going to talk about in the next one. And you got some marquee hitters, too. And you got a certain catcher that I'm fascinated by. But let's finish this episode with the Peoria Javelinas. And Peoria is comprised of San Diego, Tampa, Seattle, Miami, and Cleveland. Let's start with Cleveland here because they send Christian Cairo and Kyle Manzardo. In the outfield, they send Chase DeLauder. There we go. It's already the best roster that we've talked about. And their pitching group is Ross Carver, Brad Hanner, Jake Miller, Eric Sabrowski, who I find interesting, and Ryan Webb as well. But obviously, we got to start with Manzardo and DeLauder. These are guys that had injury hampered seasons. DeLauder, it was not hampered. It was just a late start. And it's a chance for him to kind of continue his ascension, maybe firmly solidify himself as a top 100 prospect. For Manzardo, it might be a chance to get Guardians fans excited about this because I remember they were kind of pissed and they looked at his 2023 numbers and it's like, oh, we traded Savali for that. Manzardo's good. you got to trust us. And now this is an opportunity for them to see that in the fall league. Finished the year like a maniac, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, six home runs in his last 12 games of the season um, with six walks and six Ks. Um, so I, there was there was just a lot to like there down the stretch. And he was a little banged up. He also we talked about it like he was trying to tap into more power. The EVs jumped, but you know, he just was not quite lifting or excuse me. Sorry, he was lifting way too much. And I think that was kind of creating like, hey, what about those line drives that you you know, have always been able to spray. Like that's a big part of who you are. Doubles count too. And, you know, he kind of lost that. He lost a little bit of the, like spraying the ball, uh, finding the gaps and then running into the homers when you run into it and said, it was like sell out for the lift, pull side, try to hit home runs. And you know, he lost a lot of the the filler stats where you don't have as many singles. You don't have as many doubles. It, it, it really impacts your overall slash line. So I think he started to find that again. Yes, he did hit six home runs over the last 12 games, but I do think that there was a level of kind of finding that field to hit again and, and getting things rolling. And I think that this is an opportunity for him to kind of endear himself to the guardians as, you know, a guy that could potentially break camp with the way that he finished in triple a and with the years that he's had in the past and, and what he can do out there. So that's a big part of it. Chase DeLauder for me is, is, you know, you mentioned like could kind of solidify himself as a consensus top 100 guy. I saw enough in his limited action this past year to say this is a top 100 guy um speed power field a hit that is really impressive i mean this guy was running an 89 percent zone contact rate in his 57 games uh this year after that big layoff hasn't even turned 22 yet i'm i'm this is top of the list of guys i'm pumped to see i think he's going to be another one of those guys that in that environment where the power is really going to play because he flashed some really exciting power this year um, could see himself rise quickly up a lot of different top prospect ranks and um, could show well enough to, you know, I think really earn a quick promotion through double A. He finished the year in double A, swung it really well there. Uh, he could start the year in double A and they could say, hey, after the fall league and what you did in the, at the end of last year, quick bump to triple A. And who knows? They could probably use him at the big leagues at some point next year. So um, this is a great opportunity to make up for lost time for DeLauder, who I, I think is looking like a really good outfield prospect. For sure. Um, only pitcher that I want to shout with Cleveland is Eric Sabrowski. Sabrowski, left-hander, who is with the Padres, had Tommy John after a really strong start to his 2021. He's back. He's healthy. Sabrowski was a really well-built kid from Canada when I saw him in 2021. 
I assume the velocity either maintained or slightly jumped, and it was already mid-90s. Um, and Sabrowski was an exciting bullpen piece, it seemed, as he would kind of rise through the ranks with San Diego. Um, I'm not sure what his season looked like with Cleveland, but I do know that guy had some shit to him. Yeah, and and that's probably why he's sent there. So I'm, you know, it, it's one of those things where in this system, I'm going to watch almost any arm that they have. He's kind of transitioned to that bullpen role, and um, the velocity kind of ticked up as the year went on, and um, finished out the year with a striking out the side inning where he sat 94. So uh, I, I'm interested to see because they 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 seem to find these you know, funky left-handed tall, long relievers who, you know, get some jump, but uh good year overall in terms of opponent batting average, buck 76, but, you know, struggle to fill up the zone. So just another classic guy stuff's good. Can you, can you find a way to throw strikes? Perfect candidate to go out here. And I like those guys in the guardian system. I do. Um, Cause they're kind of the outliers. Mm-hmm. Miami, they send PMAC, Paul McIntosh. They also send Jacob Berry and Asim Nunez. And then pitchers, they send Gabe Byerman, Ike Buxton, Brady Encarnacion, Zach McCambly, and Dale Stanovich. Uh, McCambly, PMAC, and Nassim Nunez are very close to your heart, I know. It is a good chance to see another month of Jacob Berry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see if they play him at third at all. I think they shouldn't. They should play him at first. He he was swinging it okay before he went down. He messed his foot up at the end of the year. So, I mean, he's a guy that needs more reps. And I want to yeah. see if he can he could generate some more power. He's a very, like, two-footed swinger, meaning that the forward move is a little bit too early. And I think that 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 impacts the power. Field of hits there. So, I, I want to see more Jacob Berry. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's was the first-round talent that – the Marlins thought he was, but it doesn't mean he's a non-prospect. So eager to see more from him. He showed some signs of life, kind of a lost year for PMAC who just had an unbelievable season last year, banged up this year and you know, just couldn't quite find his footing. Still had an okay season, 765 OPS, but I'm also interested to see where the Marlins play him. Do they start to get him some outfield reps? Does he start to play a little bit more first? Do they try to continue to develop him as a catcher? Cause I can tell you this guy hits the crap out of the ball, 108 mile per hour, 90th percentile. Like he's got juice and he's a good athlete. So Interested to see what the Marlins do there. I think he's one of the better hitters they have in their system. Not saying much. McCambly made the move to the bullpen after some elbow issues last year and was lights out. It's a borderline. I think it's a 70 to 75 grade slider. That is just disgusting. I think he's going to be the Evan Reifert of, of the AFL this year and, and could kind of prove himself to be a potential bullpen piece for the Marlins. So I'm excited for him. And then, um, uh, Buxton was interesting. Ike Buxton had a really nice stretch to close out the year. And uh, I think this is a guy that could be a, an emergent pitching prospect in this Marlins system. Made his final start of the year in double A. Um, yeah, mid 90s fastball, solid stuff across the board. 6'3 guy uh, with good shape on the heater. Uh, that, that's another dude that I think the Marlins are just kind of trying to see who they can develop next here. And Brady Encarnacion's another one. 6'3", righty, kind of fills up the strike zone, except the low 90s. We'll see what they do, you know, and how, how he does out there, too. But, um, you know, some 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 fun players for the Marlins to send out there. And then, of course, Nassim Nunez, friend of the show, unbelievable defender. I think if he can just show that he's capable of anything close to league average offense, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy worth putting on the 40-man. But the problem is it's just not hitting enough. One of the best base dealers, one of the best defenders – they got to just try to find a way to get him to hit enough. In the Futures game MVP, mm-hmm. never forget it. The 2023 Futures game MVP. Um, jumping to Seattle, the real Prince Harry, Great Britain's Harry Ford, is a catcher with the Mariners. Um, Ryan Bliss, who was acquired at the deadline, along with Ken Zone in that seawall deal, uh, and Tyler Locklear are the infielders. And then the pitching group that they send is Peyton Alford, Jimmy Joyce, and Troy Taylor. Jimmy Joyce, I'm not sure if he's related to Jim Joyce. Yes. Speaking of Miguel Cabrera's retirement one of the lasting images in baseball history is him just smiling at jim joyce and then the quick cut to galarraga just smiling at jim joyce but uh, i'm really excited for ryan bliss and locklear obviously harry ford we spend a lot of time on harry ford already bliss was a guy that i think we shined some light on going into the futures game and at the deadline this guy was guns blazing in double a to start this year and then it was a terrible stretch in triple a after the trade but then after that, man, like he really settled in and I'm hoping that he puts together a great month. And I know Locklear swings a bat that that you're kind of infatuated with. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny. There's, I'll start with bliss. You mentioned it like gets up to triple a after the trade and you know, all those moving parts and struggled then finished the year on a, on a great stretch, 900 OPS, eight homers, you know, mixing in the bags, playing good defense, walking a ton. Uh, bliss is looking like a guy that could be a second baseman for them next year. Big leaguer. I, I do believe that bliss is a big leaguer. He's just fun and he's got tools and he just seems to outperform the underlying metrics and he doesn't chase. And, and that was the big thing. He just continuously cut the chase down as the season went on. And when he got to triple A, he really leveraged that ABS and that smaller zone and, and took his free passes and then ran into balls when he needed to. The EVs may not jump off the page, but he gets some carry. And I just think he's going to be a guy that overperforms what people expect from him. Um, so I, I'm excited to see Bliss in person. And I want to see, you know, how the, how he plays at shortstop. Because, of course, you know, that that kind of impacts the the overall profile. Uh, but I, I still think he's a, you know, a guy that can play all over the infield a little bit. Don't need to talk much about Harry Ford. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to just see the, the, the catching defense there and, and get more looks yeah. at him. Um, Locklear is a guy that took a pitch off the hand, broke it, and, and that cost him some some time this year. Big power. I, the swing is is puzzling to me that he's able to hit as much as he does because there's a lot of moving parts and things that you know I think could could impact his consistency. But there's guys that could always get away with that, so I'm excited to just kind of see him in person up close and, and see how he you know gets those moves down and and how he's able to to consistently hit because you, you can't deny the production so far. So uh, I'm I'm eager to see more than you know what just what the video provides. And then Jimmy Joyce is probably the most notable arm there. Uh, put up some some good numbers, had a couple ten strikeout games in high A, and then had a couple really solid starts in double A. And I think to manage his innings a little bit, knowing that they were going to send him to the fall league, they had him go shorter spurts. Over the last few starts, he closed out the season on a really nice stretch of, I think it was eight scoreless innings. Um, and and uh, across that stretch, no walks and nine Ks. So uh, I'm interested to see Jimmy Joyce. Again, just another arm that uh, this is somebody that people aren't going there to see, but a nasty changeup and probably would have been one of the better arms last year. So uh, a good fastball changeup combination could be a nice little piece here. I love it. Um, all right, jumping to San Diego here. We got San Diego and Tampa to wrap up part one of our fall league uh, rosters. Mm -hmm. But San Diego, they send Nathan Martorella and Graham Pauly, two guys that kind of displayed some pop in the infield. The outfield is Jacob Marcy, and this guy like somehow is flying under the radar still. He had a great statistical season. Uh, and then you've also got Jagger Haynes going on the hill, Braden Nett, uh, Cole Papelham, Paflum, uh, Francis Pena, and Emmanuel Pinales. Um, Marcy, Martorella, and Polly, I think, are the big three for me from San Diego. And three just like, you know, Preller Masterclass, especially Martorella and 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 Polly, just great. Great draft picks here. Uh, Martorella has become very po a very popular name just the way he was able to swing it over the course of the year and you know put up some solid numbers. I'm personally most excited to see Graham Pauly because Pauly was like a 12th round pick, something like that, uh, but got overslot money and uh, if I'm not mistaken and um, kind of emerged out of nowhere to a degree and and just turned into a different level of of hitter put up ridiculous numbers across the board. It was, it was a 13th round pick and actually they gave him right around the, the slot value. So I was, I was wrong on that, but uh, just really good bat to ball skills, really good tools across the board and somebody that just put on a ton of strength over his final little stretch at Duke. And, and I think that again, this is what the, this is what the Padres do. They find guys that are just on the cusp of breaking out in their amateur level and then pick them up right at that point and help them put it all together, you know, and, and break out right as they, they become pros. It, Merrill was kind of a similar situation where it was like field to hit was always there. Power wasn't quite there, added strength. And then they picked up right at the right time. Pauly, great contact rates, above average EVs, low chase. I had a 937 OPS this year. He hit 312, 396, 540. Definitely a guy I'm going to try to get in, on the show. Played third, played second, played left. I think this is one of the more exciting prospects in the game that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, Paulie, I, I, I'm pumped to see. I love it. Um, and then Marcy, I, I want to shed some light on Jacob Marcy because I do think that this guy really went underappreciated. It was 16 pumps and an 840, 850 yeah. OPS between high A and double A. He stole, what, 41 bags and 50 attempts to go along with 16 pumps. 
yeah. in a graveyard that we've talked about in Fort Wayne. Yeah. Marcy can get it. Sixth dude. round pick, man. Sixth round pick. Another guy. Um, contact rates right around zone contact, 88%. EVs aren't great, but to, as you mentioned, like can just sneak it out to the pull side. And if you can do that in a graveyard, then then I'm intrigued. And, and I think he's just a guy that can create some carry. 16% chase rate, Jack, as well. So, like, this is a guy that does not chase. He's going to walk a ton, not going to strike out much at all, um, has the speed, and can sneak in some, you know, some pull side bombs. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Marcy, and, and I think he's a guy that can play a really good center field as well, and just a, a multi-hit game machine this year. So, I, th- I think you're spot on there. Yep. Uh, and then we wrap with Tampa with Peoria. Dominic Keegan, the hashtag Vandy boy, is the catcher going on behalf of the Rays. Um, also have Carson Williams, who's one of their top prospects. Shane Sasaki, who has put up big numbers statistically. I'm not sure about the prospect intrigue there. Uh, and then the pitchers that they send are Hayden Irby, Drew Somers, Austin Verdon, uh, Patrick Wicklander, and Logan Workman. Carson Williams is the star of the show. This infield is ridiculous with Manzardo, Jacob Berry for the intrigue alone, Nassim Nunez, Ryan Bliss, Tyler Locklear, Nathan Martorella, Graham Pauly, and Carson Williams. Dude. And then you've got DeLauder and Marcy in the outfield <laughs> and Shane Sasaki, if you're interested. Wow, man. Wow. That team flies. Um, yeah. Egan. Keegan fell because he's not, wasn't viewed as much of a catcher, but the, again, there's another guy I'm really interested to see the defense. Uh, but good contact rates, big power numbers. Keegan's a prospect, man. He's a bat. He is a guy. And and the Rays do this, right? Uh, the power uh, that some team some teams don't like because you know, where am I going to put him? Is he going to whiff too much? Blah blah blah. Rays don't care. They help figure it out. And and I think Keegan's a guy that even if he's an, a below average catcher, that bat is is going to be fun to watch. So eager to see him and, and see that power on display. Uh, Carson Williams is one of the best shortstop prospects in the game. And um, for him, it's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of struggles with the secondary stuff. And I think this is a good opportunity for him to get a, a mixed bag, you know, some mediocre secondary stuff. And then he's going to get some good secondary stuff. And I want to see how he hits the breaking ball because he crushes heaters. He's got monster power. He's a great defender. He's a special talent. And I haven't gotten to see too many good, you know, in-person looks. I went out to Charleston. He sat that day. Um, so I, I'm, I'm eager to see him um, in that glove in action too, because he's a great defender out there as well. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, this team is just absolutely loaded, uh, but Shane Sasaki I didn't take him too seriously as a prospect. I thought he was kind of that that guy that just picks up a ton of stolen base numbers and and you don't really see much else. But Sasaki had a quietly pretty solid overall season. And yes, he's a little bit older for the level. He's 23 last year, but um, you know, can play all three outfield spots, absolutely motors, and, and put up an 841 OPS. So uh, I'm interested to see if if he's, you know, a legitimate prospect and a guy worth following a little bit more closely. And then Patrick Wicklander, funky lefty that gets a lot of uncomfortable swings. So, yeah, just another raised guy that I think they're going to kind of audition and see if he's uh, bullpen worthy. Yeah, I love it. All right. Quick quiz before we end this one. We have three teams left to go over. I'm going to give you the location. You have to give me the team name. So we did uh, the Glendale Desert Dogs. Uh, we also did the Mesa. Solar Sox. And the Peoria. Javelinas. We do Salt River. Rafters. Uh, Scottsdale. Oh, crap. Scottsdale. Come back to Scottsdale. Surprise. Shoot. I, those are the teams that people only call it by the city. Yep. There's alliteration here. Uh, the Scottsdale Scorpions. Yeah, you would have got me on that one. And the G is silent. The surprise Saguaros. Saguaros, uh, Saguaros, the cactus. I think I would have failed a multiple choice on that. People just say, oh, you're going to surprise. I'm like, yeah, let's go watch surprise. Like, I, you just, you have to assume alliteration. The Peoria Javelinas, yeah. sure. But like solar socks after Mesa, you know that. Um the Salt River Rafters. There's always alliteration in this, but that's good. Yeah, the surprise Saguaros. Those are my favorite. If if you find any Saguaros m- merch, I would love some. I, I'll look. Uh, there's there's merch out there, and and for those that are going out, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm going to be out there on a couple of different occasions, so you know, happy to you know, go take in some ball and, and meet up with people. Also, if you are in the area, it's worth going. It's a blast, and you're going to see a lot of good talent as we just kind of laid out. 
the the next few rosters, I think might even be better. So I'm looking forward to the next episode where we can really highlight uh, a lot more exciting arms, including two of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Uh, So that should be pretty fun for us. Uh, Some other scheduling notes before we wrap up, we're going to do some minor league recap, you know, I think our first team, you know, some of the best performers of the year, um, you know, minor league player of the year, hitter wise and pitcher wise. Uh, we talked about that on the just baseball show, but you know, wanted to kind of do an episode around that. So we'll do an episode finishing up this Arizona fall league. We'll do, you know, our kind of first team, all-star team, whatever you want to call it uh, of the minor league season. And then we will talk about that, the pitcher and hitter of the year. And then we'll be talking about the Arizona fall. We can keep you brief there doing a lot of fun player interviews, getting a lot of info there, updating uh, our, our end of season top 100 list, which should be you know done in the next couple of weeks and, and continuing to go from there. Um, I'm excited to cook in this off season, Jack. we got a lot of fun prospect stuff to discuss and uh, thank you for walking us through all of these uh, lineups and, and rosters and excited to do it with you again this week. Yeah, same thing this week. And then I'm excited, man. I'm going to send you a rough draft of uh, I want to do first, second and third team. All MILB. Do you want to do first, second and third or first and second? What do you let's think? Do, let's do first, second and third, King. Oh, let's do it. OK, I'm going to send you a rough draft of that and we're going to go over that. I think we maybe work like backwards or something. Yeah. We'll get yeah. creative with it. Yeah, look out for that. Uh, all, a lot of articles are just baseball.com. So stay tuned with that. And of course, playoff postseason coverage on the just baseball show and at just baseball.com keep up with all of that over there as always thank you for listening look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.